Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. We have been in a series here at All Nations Aurora called It's Time. How many of you have enjoyed It's Time? This has kind of been it's kind of been one of them, them pushy series where I keep pushing and pushing and pushing. But I'm pushing for a reason because God first pushed me. And if you look at the picture, you'll see that, you know, it's a, it's a watch that's like got all these diamonds and it's fancy. And the reason we kind of went in that direction was because we're trying to convey the message that time is valuable. It's your, it's your number one most valuable asset that you own. Because it's the one thing you can't get more of. Once this day is gone, it is gone. And so God's been pushing us in certain directions when it comes to it's time. In week one, we did a message called it's go time because a lot of us have been stagnant, comfortable, and complacent despite the fact that God has given us gifts, talents, abilities, and a purpose that, we're to, that we are to fulfill. Some of us, especially coming through the pandemic, got a little comfortable, got a little off track, started to focus on us and what we like because we've had so much time to reflect and think. We started thinking about ourselves a little too much. And we started moving ourselves up the priority list and eventually we got to that spot that God holds. That spot that God should never be taken down from. And so we started just cruising. And God was encouraging us to wake up. We used the analogy of being behind somebody at a stoplight and when the light turns green, they didn't move because they looking down at their phone. That's you. And God's behind you hitting the horn like, it's time to go. It's time to move forward. Amen? That's just this. He's been really, really impressing on me just how valuable time is. I don't, I'm not sure if we get it. Because so many of us have spent so much time in survival mode that we get accustomed to just getting through each day surviving each day and so then in, in week two we talked about it's time to choose joy because joy is not circumstantial meaning that everything doesn't have to be going perfect for me to have joy because joy is a fruit of the spirit that means it should be present in good times and in tough times, because it's not based on what's happening externally. Joy is based on what's happening internally. And what's happening internally for the believer is the presence of the Holy Ghost. And so then we, we, we show up uh, in week three. And I'm going to keep poking you in the back. Is that okay? If it's not, it's about to happen anyway, so you might as well say it's okay. I only say it because... I care. I only say it because God cares. 
And so this whole um, series has been based on one scripture, the heart of it. Uh, Matthew 3 and 2 says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that scripture is important because it's Jesus giving people a sense of urgency about how they're living today. Because the kingdom of God is at hand. And so when we're, when we're talking about it's time, it's not, so, it's not so you can be rich and famous. It's not so people can fall in love with you. We're pushing you to move forward in who God has called you to be because you're supposed to do something that's supposed to give him glory. The ultimate goal is his glory. And every believer should be okay with that. Because every believer realizes and recognizes that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And since it's close, since it's near, since it's quickly approaching, we don't want the people on our left and right to miss it. We want them to make it as well. So I'm going to start today's message in the book of Romans, the 13th chapter, starting at the 11th verse. I'm going to be reading from the message version. If you have an iPhone, you should be able to get there quickly. Uh, Android, you can look at the screen. Romans, the 13th chapter, starting at the 11th verse, it reads, but make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of your day-by-day -day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off, oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. Because God is doing something. God is working. The Bible says he never sleeps nor slumbers. That means he's active all the time. But you have to be up and awake to see what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when we first believed. Here it is. We can't afford to waste a minute. Must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence in sleeping around and dissipation and bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed and get dressed. It's your lazy self. Don't loiter and linger, waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about. Today I'm going to teach a message called Quality Time. Quality Time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you being great and all-powerful and all-knowing has something that you want us to do. We recognize that we are incapable on our own, but we recognize that with you, we are more than conquerors. Help us to do what you 
have for us to do. And Lord, it's Packers week. So we're asking for a special blessing over the Chicago Bears that they beat the Packers. In Jesus' name, amen. It's okay, we can pray. Prayer works. So I'm an entrepreneur, but I'm the son of an entrepreneur. My mother had a daycare. Um, and one of the responsibilities that I had at the daycare was to, at the end of the day, vacuum. I had to vacuum up the daycare area. And for some reason, I don't know why, I know it's weird, don't judge me, but I like vacuuming. I think it's something cool about the lines, like when you go that way, it looks one way, and then when you pull it back, it looks, and then you can make these little designs all across the room, and it feels like when you see the little pattern, it feels extra clean. I know I'm weird, but I like the vacuum, because I like the lines. And so, when me and my wife got married, we did a lot of things financially because we were in the midst of getting out of debt. And so we were doing everything that we could to save money and be smart and practice good financial stewardship. One of the things that we would do is we would um, wait for certain sales to get certain things. And uh, we would you know, fill our house with the nicest stuff, but it was on sale. Another thing we would do is to save money, sometimes we would get appliances that were refurbished. And one of the things that we used to get that were refurbished was vacuums. And the reason there's an S when I said vacuums is because the mugs would break every year. It was unreal. I mean, we weren't just getting, I mean, they looked really, really, really nice. And so we would buy it, I would, I would make my lines in the carpet, and then it wouldn't last a year. Am I telling the truth? I mean, them things would not last a year. But hey, we, we are in debt freedom mode. We was like, we not finna go waste, we gonna, we gonna just get another refurbished vacuum. I mean, we're getting name brand vacuums. They're just refurbished. And so vacuum number two, dead. <laughs> vacuum number three, you think we have some sense by now. Vacuum number three, I make my lines dead. Then we got to a certain point like, you know what? This is beginning to be a little bit much. And so we made a decision that we was going to buy an expensive vacuum. One of the, the top of the line vacuums. Because we was like, listen, I mean, we keep replacing this, boys. We basically spending the same thing. And so we spent top dollar on a Dyson. Come on, Dyson. Huh? We bought ourselves a, and we had to talk about it because I was like, I ain't never paid this much for a vacuum cleaner. I'm just trying to make lines. Like, this is a lot. <laughs> but Dyson has a reputation of quality and value and longevity. And so we did some research. And we invested a lot of money in this vacuum. And we still got this vacuum. Over 10 years later, am I right? Is my math on point? We done had to, and it ain't never broke. Ever, ever, ever. Because sometimes you have to stop wasting times on things that are of lesser quality 
And you have to start investing more in things that are of higher quality because when you invest in things of higher quality, you'll have longevity. The ramifications are more long-lasting, are more farther-reaching when we spend quality time. I think the Lord is wanting us to enhance how we spend our days. And he wants us, he's challenging us, he's pushing us to invest a little more quality time than we've been investing. Because some of us have been spending time, but it has not been quality. Some of us have been expending effort, but it has not been quality. It's just been meaningless. It's been wasteful. It's been busy work. The problem with busy work is it's not getting you closer to who God made you to be. And he is looking and waiting for your pursuit of him and everything that you are attempting to do in this earth. So when it comes to the topic of quality time, I believe that there are four things that he wants us all to start spending a little more time in. These things are very specific and very important. In the business world, whenever you have a business, there are things called um, income-generating tasks. Income-generating tasks. That could be the creation of new products. That could be the establishment of new services. That could be interaction between your customers to make sure that, that your customer retention rate is good. And whatever is not an income-generating task is a bit wasteful to the bottom line of the company. And if you spend most of your time on tasks that do not generate income, your business will suffer. I don't know if you know this, but you are part of a business. It's called the kingdom business. And everybody has a part to play in the accomplishment of God's kingdom business. And he's looking for you to generate not income in the sense of dollars and cents, but in souls. You have work to do that's supposed to impact the bottom line of the kingdom business, which is the harvesting of souls. And if you are wasting most of your time doing tasks that don't affect the bottom line of the kingdom, my thesis is that you are wasting time. And God would like you to get a hold of the time that you are wasting and turn it into something more productive. So there's four things that he wants you to start to get a hold of. The first one is he wants you to know it's time for you to take control of your schedule. Again, survival mode is something we are used to. If you came from nothing, even if you get something, you still got nothing in your mind and it drives you to keep going and keep going and keep going like a workaholic. But the problem is, is what you do, is it positively affecting God's kingdom agenda 
Or is it only positively affecting your agenda? I'll say it again. Every 24 hours that you're spending, how much of it is for God's kingdom to go forward, his agenda to, to go forward versus your own agenda to go forward? Can I let you in on a secret up front? If you focus on his house, he'll take care of yours. So you don't have to wonder, oh, how am I going to balance? It's not about balancing. It's about prioritization. And you have to know that every 24 hours, there should be a part of that, whether that's even self-discovery, trying to figure out who God wants you to be or how he wants you to operate. But something about your day needs to be going towards God's kingdom agenda because you got to understand it. You are a vital part. You don't need a microphone to be a vital part of the kingdom agenda. You're a vital part right where you are. And you got to stop wasting time. Ecclesiastes, written by the wisest man ever to walk this earth, King Solomon says, better one handful with rest then two handfuls with effort and a pursuit of the wind. Now, it seems like two handfuls would be better than one. But Solomon says one handful is better than two with a caveat, with rest. Because when you focus on, walk out, operate in your purpose, it don't take two handfuls. You can do your thing and rest while God does his thing. The problem with many of us is we two handful people. We like just running, 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 running. But we're running, the Bible says, chasing wind. That means you're chasing nothing. Go outside and go run after the wind right now. You ain't going to catch it. You ain't going to find it. It's nothing. But we wake up every day, eat our little breakfast, get on our expressway, get to the job. As soon as we get to the job, we count down. When we're going to leave the job. Get back in our car, get back on the expressway, get home, watch our shows, go to sleep, and do it again. Chasing the wind. What a waste of a life. It seems good. I mean, I'm going to work providing for myself and for my family. The Bible says that, that a man that doesn't provide for his family is worse than an infidel. Yes. But what about God's kingdom in addition to that? That's not all that he has for you. That's not all that he wants for you. You can do that and do it in a way that's making his mission get accomplished. You can go to work and be a light in a dark place. You can be salt in the earth. But the problem is you're showing up to work just to get by. You're showing up to work with a promotion in mind. Well, some of you are showing up to work with a pink slip in mind, like, because I get my unemployment. Yeah, I wish they would fire me. But all of that is just wind chasing. I know. 
I, listen, fun fact, y'all pray for my wife. Because I am barely thinking about the present. I am always thinking about the future. My mind is always down the road. I am a visionary and that's a good thing, but sometimes it ain't. Because I don't even know what's happening. I can't even appreciate what's right before me. Because I'm so busy running. I'm so busy trying to be all that God wants me to be that I can miss it. Even if it's your gift, even if, if it's what God has you to do, you still have to steward the gift. You still have to steward the pursuit of what God is calling you to do. Because you can be in pursuit of God and still chasing wind if you're not going at his pace. If you're not going in the order that you should go. So even if you know who you are in him, even if you know what you're supposed to do in him, you still have to do it at his pace. Paul in Ephesians 5 says, pay careful attention. Meaning that if you're not careful, you could miss it. Meaning that you need to have attention to detail. Then to how you walk. Meaning that as we live our life for Jesus, we can't just do it any old way. Meaning that we have to watch every step that we take. Because the wrong step could be disastrous. It goes on to say, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time. Making the most of the time. Meaning that the time isn't made any other way than by you being careful about how you use it. You are in control of your days. God is not here to make your day go a certain way. He's giving you stewardship. Stewardship is not just a financial principle. But you have to steward your days as well. That's why Paul is telling us to be careful with how we walk. We can't do any and everything that we want to do. In other words, we need a standard for our life. The church has been slowly but surely lowering its standard. Paul is trying to remind us that there is a standard that we are supposed to walk to. I want to be real clear. I'm not trying to be no trendy pastor. I'm going to be a biblical one, and I'm going to challenge you to live by the standard of God's word. Because his standard is what provides us the safety that we need. He's not giving us a standard to hurt us. He's giving us a standard to preserve us. Plenty of us know people that lowered their standard and ended up getting hurt because they lowered their standard. Not because they're bad people, but because they lowered their standard, they didn't have the same protection around them. God's standard protects us as we are pursuing this walk that he has carved out for us. Which leads me to point number two. It's time to rethink what you allow to enter your mind and body. Now listen, I'm not here to tell you what you should allow to enter, but I am here to challenge you to rethink it. I am challenging you 
to put some thought into it because God didn't save you to stay the same. When it's that quiet, I know I'm right where I'm supposed to be. God didn't shed his blood so that you wouldn't have to change. He came and paid the ultimate price knowing that you are going to have to make some sacrifices too. He sacrificed his life and he's asking you to sacrifice yours just in a different way. He sacrificed his unto death and he's asking you to sacrifice yours and how you live. In 1 Corinthians 10 and 23, it says, all things are lawful. That is morally legitimate, permissible. But not all things are beneficial or advantageous. All things are lawful, but not all things are constructive to character and edifying, edifying to spiritual life. Remember, we're talking about quality time. God wants you to start investing time in these things because this is where the quality of your character gets developed. Stop wasting time on things that don't bring quality to the type of man or the type of woman that God is trying to create you to be. So no, you can't watch and listen and interact and hang out do everything that you once did. I know Jesus turned water into wine. Well aware. But it's a slippery slope between drinking and being drunk. And a lot of people think that they have it under control when they don't. So all I'm saying is rethink. Rethink the words that are coming out of your mouth. Rethink trying to fit in. God didn't call us to fit in. He called us to stand out. So even if you're out in a dark place, he still has a demand on your life to be a light in that dark place. He didn't say go in that dark place and become dark yourself. He says go there but let your light shine. You can't let your light shine looking like everybody else. It's a simple concept. If all the lights go out in this room right now and nobody has a light on their phone, the room will remain dark. Meaning that somebody has to have something different from everybody else in order for light to appear. Y'all are so quiet that I am so glad God gave me this message. You can't do everything that everybody else is doing. You can't look like everybody else looks. The reason that you are a light because light is different than dark. And God is counting on you and I to show up in these places, turn our light on so that people will be attracted to the light. People find hope in the light. People find their way out of that darkness because of the presence of light. Psalms 141 says, this is a prayer. This is a prayer. Because the absolute wrong thing that you can do is attempt to do all this stuff on your own. 
to attempt to, to attempt to do all this stuff in your own strength. King David is praying and he's saying to God, don't let me drift, meaning that it can be subtle. Over time, one bad decision leads to another bad decision, which leads to another bad decision. And before you know it, you have drifted toward evil. And King David, recognizing just how infallible he is, reaches up to heaven and says, don't let me drift toward evil or take part in acts of wickedness. Don't let me share in the delicacies of those who do wrong. We have to go into this life. We have to go into our mission. We have to go into our purpose led by the Spirit of God. We have to be constantly putting him in the equation of everything that we are doing. Because if we attempt to move in our own strength, in our own abilities, our own talents, we are prone to drift towards evil. It's our nature. The Bible says that we were born shaping in sin and iniquity. It's the default that's in us. If we are not daily asking for God to run interference, if we are not daily asking God to destroy our flesh, we will drift. We will. You have to get up every day and give that day back to him because you're evil. I hope y'all come back next week, but you're evil. And if you don't get the Holy Spirit involved in your days, you're going to look up and you're going to find a gap between you and your Savior and your Savior because of the drift. The third thing that God wants you to start to recognize, he wants you to know it's time to organize your finances around give, save, live. Why are we talking about money? Because broke Christians ain't focused. You're not. Because it's, when our finances are, listen, I, listen, I know it. I know what it feels like. When your finances aren't right, you can't stop thinking about it. The worry is so strong. When you are just trying to figure out how to get from here to there, it doesn't leave your mind and therefore it doesn't leave room for the Spirit of God to be cultivating His gifts in you. Because you're so, like, how am I going to figure this out? How am I going to get this bill paid? How are we going to get food on the table? How is this going to happen? I got to be out of this apartment, but I don't have no new place to go to. Finances take our focus. My wife and I are anointed for financial stewardship. We're anointed for, well, we're going to spend all next month talking about money. We're going to use the Bible. I'm not one of them. I'm one of them. So we're going to use the Bible to help you know how you're supposed to handle your finances. So it's a good month for you to tell your people, listen, you need to come. You need to invite somebody so they can stop asking you for money. I'm just saying. We can, we can go to the Bible and find the answer. We can do it together. 
But the reason that he wants you to, to organize your finances in this way, it's a very specific way. Give, save, live. Because by default, when it comes to money, we start with life. We start with bills. We start with food. We start with spending money. And then if by chance we have a little something left over, maybe I'll save. Maybe I'll give to that little church over there, All Nations Aurora. But God's word has a priority list. And the first thing on his priority list when it comes to your money is give. He says, return the first fruits, the first 10%, the tithe. It comes back to him. Listen, you, you've never heard me say it's time to give tithes. You know why? Because it ain't yours. How you gonna give something that's not yours? You are returning the time. Because all 100% is his. He called you a steward, AKA a manager. He didn't give you 10%, he gave you 100%. And his ask is that you return the first 10% back to him. Let me tell you something, I've been broke Broker than broke, broke. Robbing Peter to pay Paul and then had to stick up Paul to get that money. Like, run that back, Paul. Run that back. I get it. But you know what I did? Even when I was just bad with money, didn't know what the heck was going on, I never stopped giving. I never stopped returning the time. Now, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't give a bunch. But I always return the tithe. Because my parents instilled that in me young. Listen, I, I'm kind of like, I was like old before I was old. Meaning that I was kind of always acting older than my actual chronological age was. But that's because I'm Leroy and Carrie's son. And they was always putting responsibility on me early, out the gate. I had chores, and I had an allowance. There were some things I had to do just because my last name was McNeely. I ain't get no money for that. But then there were some things I did that I got money for. And then there was other things that I could do if I wanted extra money. But it was all a setup. Because the only reason they gave me money was so they could take the 10% back. Don't forget your tithes. All right, this doesn't seem fair. Why are you taking my money? <laughs> but because they ingrained it in me from 10, 11, 12, I started, I had a job at 13 till, till today. I've been working. And because they, they drilled it in me, it's never, listen, listen, come closer. It's never even been a question what that first 10% was going to be. I'm talking about even before I came to Christ, even when I was in a state of having a form of godliness, I grew up in church. I love Jesus, but I wasn't necessarily living for Jesus all the way, just a little bit. But I still had the sense to return that 10%. And you know what? Even in my brokeny brokenness, I was never, ever without does that make sense? Meaning that the bank account numbers was in red. Come on. Come on. 
who know about red numbers? Never mind. I don't want y'all to. I don't want to get nobody in trouble. But them red numbers hurt. Do something to your soul. When you log in and it's red, you just got to log back out and say, you know what? Never mind. Never mind. I mean, paycheck spent before I got it. Listen, never mind. We'll talk about it next month. But I was never without. Even if it was ramen with a little slice of cheese on top. Y'all don't know about that. Y'all so bougie. Y'all don't know about no ramen with the cheese on top. But I always had what I needed, even in the toughest of toughest times. I was never homeless. I was never starving. God preserved me because his word says, test me in this. He let me go low, but I was never knocked completely out because I follow the principle of his word because my parents instilled that in me. So I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to show you what the word of God says. I'll never stand up here with a, with a, with a show to put on for you to give money. I'm just going to tell you what the word of God says and allow you to either opt in or opt out. But I'm telling you, if you opt in, God will show himself strong. I ain't broke no more. I'll just leave it there. And it's not because of my goodness. It's because of my obedience. So when I was walking in obedience, I didn't get a windfall of money. I got a windfall of knowledge. I got a windfall of discipline. And I got a wife. She's way, way smarter with money than I was. And what happened was when I entered into this new level, I was about to be a husband. I mean, I had, to, I had to tighten things up. I had to start thinking differently because it wasn't, my mistakes wasn't just going to impact me anymore. Now there was somebody, and then when I, when I became a father for the first time, I had, to, I had to tighten things up because now there's this little person who's depending on me to make the right decision. What am I saying? Every time God elevates you, you got to tighten things up. You have to raise the standard. Your standard has to match the place of elevation that he's taking you to. There has to be something in you that wants to be 100% of what God wants you to be. And so as I began to tighten up and submit even my finances to his biblical standard, everything started turning around. We're completely debt-free. We're not broke. God is good. I got more than ramen in the refrigerator. Uh, now we go to restaurants and eat ramen. I don't even understand how that turned around. How they got ramen restaurants now? I'm confused. Matthew 6 and 21 says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Financial stewardship is a heart issue. It's not a financial one. It's about where you place your trust. Either you're going to place your trust in the resource, which is money, or you're going to place your trust in the source which is God. I want to encourage you to start to put your trust in the source. You don't give, you don't return your tithe to get anything from God. You do it because you've already received from him. And as you submit your obedience, he's going to give you strategy 
He's going to give you insight. He's going to give you the discipline that you need to grow what he's already given you. I'm just telling you what we've lived. I'm telling you what we've taught people around the world. And ain't no way we're going to teach people around the world and not have our own church walk in the same principles. It's going to take your obedience. Proverbs 3 and 9 says, honor God with everything you own. Give him your first and your best. Give him your first and your best. You can't be more excited about a new iPhone release than you are the chance to sow into what God wants to do at your local church. Flip those. Your heart is there's something wrong with your heart. There's, there's something in there. If you're looking at me and thinking I'm some type of crooked pe preacher and all them preachers, they just want money, there's something wrong with your heart. Because if you're looking at me and saying that, you should go to another church. And you should submit under somebody that you don't feel that way about. But here, we're going to use the Bible to order our steps in every area of our life to include our finances. And so you should include the Holy Spirit in how you operate with money too. We're talking about quality time now. He wants you to know how to handle money. He, listen, hey, come here. He don't want you to be broke. He don't want you to struggle. That's not the Christian thing. Some people have this theology that struggle means I'm closer to God. I need more scripture on that because I don't see that. Because I, I, I saw Jesus teach a, a, a story about three people who were given a certain amount of talents. And the two who took what they were given and doubled it were promoted. And the one who took what he had and did nothing with it, it ain't work out so good for him. So God wants you to take what he's given you and do something with it. He doesn't want you to struggle and pass on generational struggle. Never mind. We'll get there in, in, in October. The last thing is it's time to live my life intentionally. Proverbs 20 and 4 says, those too lazy to plow in the right season, meaning that you could plow in the wrong season. You could be putting a bunch of effort forward in the wrong season because there are seasons where you're supposed to obtain knowledge there are seasons that you're supposed to sow. There are seasons that you're supposed to water. And there are seasons that you're supposed to plow. But those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at harvest. Psalm 90 and 12 says, teach us to number our days carefully. There it is again. We have to be careful with these days that we are living. So that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. Seek God every single day. Seek God every single day. Ask him for wisdom on how to operate through your days. You know what you do when you wake up and ask God for his input? You are living intentionally. And he wants you to not be reckless. He wants you to not be random. He wants you to live intentionally. How do I do this? The key to all of this. These are things that God wants us to recognize and realize because he's seeking for us to start using our time in such a way that we are getting quality results from the way 
that we are using our time. And so there's got to be something behind it, a motivation to help you to do these things. And the first motivation is this. you got to know your purpose. Purpose is a, is, is, is a big word around here because that's my, my number one thing that I'm supposed to do on this earth. I'm supposed to help people realize what their purpose is. Let me be real clear. Let me let you in on a little secret. Don't come around me if you want to be average. I am going to push you. Don't think you want to be in proximity to me and you just going to skate by. Holy Spirit is going to tell me what's going on inside you. He's going to say, no, nah, I call him to do this. I call her to do this. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start asking questions. And I'm going to start pursuing that thing in you. That's my gift. Ain't that right, Fred? He owed me something by the end of this month that he said he was going to do. And it's a three-year conversation between he and I. I'm consistent, though, because I know it's what I'm called to do. So I don't get tired. I don't get weary in doing it. That's why you have to figure out what your purpose is. You have a gift, too. And that gift that's in you is to help other people. But when you are just randomly going through every 24 hours, every seven days, what a waste. Because not only is your life not being impacted, but the people you were called to influence, their lives aren't being impacted at all. You are not here randomly. Point to yourself and say, I am not random. Psalms 139 and 16 says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Point to yourself and say, I am not random. Jeremiah 29 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Two things, a future and a hope. He knows his plans for you. You are not random. Number two, you must have a plan. Proverbs 17 and 24 says, sensible people. Sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom. Why would their eyes be glued on wisdom? Because they don't want to waste any more time. I don't have time for the foolishness. That's how we say it. My eyes are glued. I am in pursuit of wisdom. If you ain't talking wisdom, if you ain't talking purpose, if you ain't talking destiny, if you ain't talking kingdom, what you talking about? Because I ain't listening. I'm glued on wisdom. But a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth, looking at what everybody else doing, worrying about everybody else's business, forward and all the gossip, commentating on all the comment sections on, on foolishness. That has nothing to do with the kingdom agenda. But when you have a plan, you also have a focus. Because you're able to see, does this, does this even have anything to do with me? Does this even have anything to do with, with what God has called me to do? Because if it doesn't, why, why waste any more time? Last one. 
So I have to have, I have to know my purpose, I have to plan, but I also must have accountability. I know it's a bad word in church, but it's an important word. You have to be accountable. That's why I be on folks. I ain't going to point it for you no more. But I be on folks because we all need somebody to be on us. Because walking this out can be intimidating. Because you start to realize just how small you are. And you start to question, like, is anybody going like, to really care? Is anybody going to listen? Is anybody going to read my book? Is anybody going to hear my testimony? Is anybody worried about me? And you got to have somebody to say, yeah, God put that in you. You have to go forward. Too many people are counting on you. Think about the people who won't come to know Jesus because you acting shy. Because you acting fearful. Because you're comfortable in your shell. God is calling you to do more. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10 says, two people are better than one for they can help each other succeed. That's why it's also a waste of time to show up to church and then just run back to your car and say hi to somebody. Get to know somebody because we all need somebody. The God that we serve is a community. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. If He operates a community, why don't you? Why do you run the isolation island all the time? You need people. We need people. I'm going to call the prayer team up because we need people. Here's the last thing I'm going to say today. Sometimes when we have something before God, we want to know the whole picture before we move. We would like to see chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, and the conclusion before we say, okay, Lord, I'll go. But that's not how God operates. Look in your Bible. He told Abraham, go to a land I will show you. He didn't have like GPS coordinates. He didn't have a map. His instructions was go. David was anointed by Samuel. Told he was the king. Didn't sit on the throne for 20 years. And went through a whole lot in between oil and throne. If God would have shown him all the stuff he would have had to go through, David would have probably said, oh, you know, I'm good with these sheep. I'm going to just stick to the sheep. Why? Because God requires faith. And you don't need faith for what you can already see. So when he gives you instruction A, he's waiting for your movement waiting for you to operate in faith. That's why he's, he's like pushing us for quality time. He's, he's trying to develop a quality character in us for what's to come. A lot of you all have shown up here 
searching for him again. A lot of you all have shown up here trying to reestablish your footing with him. Prayer team, can you come forward? And what he's saying is, what have you done with the last instruction I gave you? Have you taken one step? Stop worrying about the next five steps. Have you taken one step? God's requirement for you is to live a quality life. Before we close, I want to shout out two of our, our, our Dream Team members are back. Where they at? Where the Cummins at? Where the Cummins? I can't see. But our uh, Alexander and uh, the Kia are back with their little baby. We're so glad that they're back with Amir is in the building. We're so happy to have y'all back. Listen, um, we do this every Sunday at 1030. If God has pressed upon your heart that all nations Aurora should be your church home, we want to make that available to you. Um, there's several ways that you can join. You can scan that QR code. You can go out in the lobby and we have a connection card that you can fill out. Or you can text the word JOIN to 630-576-9758. Either way, we would love to be your church. My wife and I would love to be your pastor. We would love to make you a part of what God is doing here. So let us close out in prayer. Heavenly Father, we honor you today. We thank you for speaking a word over our life encouraging us to start using our time in pursuit of things that will bring quality to our character and quality to our relationship with you. We want to be all that you have created us to be. Help us in our pursuit of being who you've created us to be. Help us in our pursuit of walking in our purpose. Father, we come out of agreement with the spirit of fear that tries to creep up and discourage us from being who you created us to be. And we come into agreement with what you have spoken over our life, that we are the head and not the tail, that we are above and not beneath, that we are more than conquerors in your son, Christ Jesus. Father, help us to not forget that you have made us powerful, that your very spirit lives in us. Help us to call on the Holy Spirit to seek your face daily, to die to ourselves daily, to pick up our cross daily, and to follow you daily. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, say hi to somebody before you go. We'll see y'all next week. We love you. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.